Adam gets in trouble for podcasting all the time. This is nothing yeah, new. This is, sta- this is standard. Oh, fine. Let's let <laughs> I mean, let's crack on just in case. We, the average we the average long snapper podcast is supposed to last for a maximum of sixty minutes. And how often do we go on to like ninety minute podcasts? I don't I don't know why it's like managing expectations. I don't know why I kid myself or anybody <laughs> else. It's just a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast about music hosted by myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Mr. Henry Salmon. Welcome back. You are listening to I Might Be Wrong, and you are listening to myself, Rich Newnham, and you will shortly be listening to Henry Salmon. Hello. And also, we are welcoming back, after he promised that he would come back and talk about some Britpop, Adam Foxcroft. Hello. I, I can't believe it's taken you so long to get me back on. But you know, <laughs> here we are. Finally. Mate, we've um, always been so busy with all the uh, all the stuff that's going on right now. It's been hectic. Well, it's, it's, it's nice to get coronavirus out of the way. Um, Trump <laughs> dying from it was a shock, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dick. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm not cutting that out either. And, and I'm going to put and I'm going to put this out probably the week after the REM podcast anyway. Oh, OK, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not recording back to back. <laughs> Who would do such a thing? Anyway, it's, it's delightful to have you with us to talk a little bit about another brilliant, wonderful 90s band. Who have you got for us? It is. And well, there was a bit of a teaser. Um, at the back end of the the REM episode, which was which by the way was probably thirty forty percent about REM. <laughs> um, <laughs> if only someone could do a pie chart about this sort of thing, uh, Patrick, if you're listening. He does. Uh, listen, but hasn't started yet, which is very okay. upsetting. Right, we need we need pie charts. Well, you need pie charts. <laughs> but no, I've I've come back to talk about Pulp and one of definitely one of the strangest bands. Well, a strangest front men. You'll, you'll ever likely to see well mr jarvis cocker who is an interesting human being but made a, a lot of fantastic music yeah i am absolutely a massive fan of of jarvis cocker he is mm. as you say an unusual person and <laughs> i think i think you know there are certain people that you immediately know who they are even if you only kind of glanced at them across a room or caught a silhouette of them, you'd, you'd know exactly who he was if you saw him at a distance. You, you could probably recognise him from his ass, given that he moons Michael <laughs> Jackson on um, on Earth Song. When was that the Brits? It was. Yeah, Brits, I yeah. was. It was. I was wondering how long it would take for that to <laughs> that to come up. Um, Not I, long. Well, it, this isn't my first memory of Pulp, uh, but <laughs> while, while we're there, it was, yeah, Michael Jackson was performing Earth Song, and as as is very obvious, uh, Jarvis Cocker had an issue with Michael Jackson, and a lot of the, the things that Michael Jackson got up to, I suspect, um, and he just decided to ruin his performance of, at the Brits, and it's very bizarre, like just just yeah, waving his backside and doing motions with his hands in front of his backside. But I don't know if you remember, but the the Brits back then wasn't broadcast live, and it was like shown the following evening, and it all got cut out. 
because of these exact things because of what he (laughs) yeah yeah certain things shouldn't be broadcast live they were were right they were right to do that um but so you had this edited down version of the brits and I, i can't remember how long afterwards but they i assume it was itv who would have shown the brits but they decided to show the uncut version and i can't i can I remember just huge excitement about finally getting to see this <laughs> ludicrous <laughs> performance in its entirety. Amazing. It's it's yeah. one of the, yeah, it's probably the first of the celebrities doing things like that. I was going to say being dicks to other celebrities, but I don't think he was being a dick. I'm sort of on his side on this one. But there's yeah. like stuff like yeah. Kanye like climbing on stage and interrupting <laughs> other people's acceptance speeches and shit like that 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 seems to happen probably every other year at some major do or another it's almost like cocaine is a powerful drug <laughs> yeah. well yeah. i think isn't that how um i think the the, the kind of indie sounds or the Britpop sound that pulp came out with was as a result of um uh jarvis basically being given loads of drugs and being taken around kind of raves and things because i think before their 90s albums they were going around for about 10 years before and they weren't really a, a brit poppy type band they were kind of a um almost like a post-punk band and then a ballads band and then i think someone said jarvis take some of this <laughs> and he kind of spiraled <laughs> out of control <laughs> well i mean spoiler alert but the uh one of my favourite tracks on Common People is Sorted for Ease and Whiz. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in a field, etc., etc. A different class is the album. Uh, sorry to correct you, Rich. I, could, I can't believe is that. I've just class? done that. I've just done that. That That's is a different class. You're right. Yeah. You can edit that. Edit out. No, yeah, no, no. no I won't. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Pulp, pulp actually i oh. i didn't realize this um and it's almost again looking things up just before talking about them on the podcast but pulp actually started back in the 70s yep yeah he's and been around I a was long surprised. time yeah that's amazing and, I didn't know that. and we're still recording in like after 2000 well after 2000 yeah but it, it's like they had this small window of being successful and I guess that happens for a lot of bands that they'll be around for a while and not make it. And then suddenly something will just kick in. But the first the first track that I noticed was definitely Common People. Yep. Um, and that's probably the same for for a lot of us. Yep, um, for me too. And I just thought this is this is brilliant. And it was it gets pigeonholed in the Britpop thing. But it was it was a bit different. Um, it was like nothing else. And the, the song itself. The lyrics are actually really funny when you just when you go through them. They're imaginative and it's it's just a song about class and yeah uh, yeah uh, the girl that he meets wants to know what it's like to be working class rather than middle class or whatever and and all this all the stuff that that they talk about and it's just, it's just brilliant. It, they're they're very they cut out their own niche with the lyrics. Hmm. All, all of these albums are. are brilliant and no one's gone anywhere near that kind of that quite personal boy meets girl girl doesn't really like boy boy gets a bit embarrassed and and they kind of wear their heart and their sleeves quite a lot which which is great they're very different common people is yeah the 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 classist side of it but there's also that kind of working class no money despair thing that's in there 
that I think a lot of people that were into Britpop didn't didn't understand at all themselves because they were, you know, middle class, Oasis blur loving, you know, have a few drinks, go down the pub type people. What, Probably what are you saying me? about me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but myself as well, like I come from, you know, lower middle class background mm. and that level, like we always, I, my parents didn't have lots of money growing up we we always struggled for like nice things we had a small house my parents were always you know we didn't go away on fancy holidays whereas had friends who would go to florida every year and all this kind of stuff and so i kind of felt like we're poor and then you listen to a song like common people you're like we're not poor we're not well off but that's proper poverty right there you didn't have coal for breakfast yeah (laughs) i i am i because i think i i struggle with pop i don't quite I never got them at the time. And I think it might just be because I kind of had quite a nice growing up, nice childhood and didn't really ever suffer from kind of the, some of the stuff that's on their album. So yeah, I, I think they would have resonated a lot with, with people who, who did have a, a tougher background. I think there's stuff on there as, as a, as a teenager, I probably the stuff that resonated with me more was probably the stuff around boy meets girl boy is incredibly awkward around girl girl thinks boy is weird that kind of stuff so things like disco 2000 when i came around to call you didn't notice me at all those kind of lyrics were always like yeah that's how i felt when i was a teenage boy i just didn't have you're not alone rich (laughs) that's not just you (laughs) right but that's the thing that's the side of the album that really appealed to me at that age and i'm sure lots of other people jarvis revels in his weird awkward quirkiness and has a lot of confidence because of it but i'm sure a lot of that that side of it came out because of him getting famous feeling more confident in the fact that i'm weird and actually that's a lot of people like it a lot of people don't don't mind that i'm a bit weird and you see him now like i've seen him he's got a new project called jarv is that he's recording under this new solo guys and he played end of the road last year and it's it's kind of like pulp but weirder and on steroids what? and it's pretty good <laughs> ow, ow. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Like, trust me if you saw him live you'd understand that it is i mean he literally opened the show standing on some box that he had set up on the stage backlit so he was silhouetted and doing like the usual kind of weird jarvis dancey shapes to sing the first song it's like peak peak jarvis cocker right there maybe the, a, maybe a different class was as normal as he ever got i don't know if that's if that's right but I, with enough with enough of a taste of weird, i think his well, and hers his and hers is probably the the least weird of their stuff and then it starts to spiral different class starts to kind of pick up a bit of that and then obviously you go into um this is hardcore and i sort of lost them i loved different class absolutely adored it and then they got into this is hardcore and i was like i don't i don't get it i don't really understand what's happening here well it's interesting because they're so they're one of the songwriters um so a lot of the songs aren't written written by jarvis so russell senior was a band member and he left in 96 and he was writing a lot of their songs before then so even though you've got this kind of quirky front man in jarvis there's a lot of the lyrics coming from this guy russell and he's He's put a lot of the sets, the songs on on there, which I think a lot of us identify with. 
and then he left and so around the same time that seems to be when they their popularity waned as well so i don't know whether actually everyone's looking at jarvis as he's the guy he's pulp but actually i don't know is it is it russell senior in the background and when he'd gone in 96 pulp just start to fade away i don't know whether that's a that definitely still seems like a possibility i i there's a definite difference in those two albums in terms of the sound the way they work there's there's there is more of a pop i know it's never that pop with pulp but sort of a pop feel to to different class because you said um i I think so russell senior hated help the aged so i don't know if you remember that song that came out but that was jarvis's song and jarvis wanted to sing about helping aged and russell senior said we've just released common people it's an absolute belter what are you doing releasing something like something quiet like healthy aged and and i think that's that was kind of the start of his his demise or, or him the reason for him leaving so yeah sort of it, and i don't know how much of that is true and how much of that is internet rumor and chat but it's a backstory that i didn't know too much about until about right. five minutes ago so I'm that guessing to be a recurring theme. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that for you, Adam, different class would have been what late school years, mid school years. So I'd have been probably 16. And that's right. Of just thinking of where exactly where I was listening to it, but <laughs> yeah, it would have been about about yeah GCSEs ish around then. It was one of the first things that I would hear where you really really noticed the lyrics ahead of the the music and a lot of the stuff and at that age and i'm young and naive and actually largely judging things on whether i i like a tune um and in some cases you could be singing about absolutely everything and pulp common people um yeah you you mentioned sorted for ease of whiz there's almost everything on a different class that yes there's a tune but that lyrics you really notice and lots of different things being sung about um across the album but it speaks to you or speaks to idiot 16 year old me and if you think 40 year old (laughs) me's weird um don't don't even go back there Uh, but it noticing things that i probably hadn't before do you think do you think that's partly down to his singing style that it kind of draws you in to listen to what he's actually singing possibly that but also that the lyrics were so far from the norm of what you yeah. like the blandness of oh, oh this just this is just another song about love or okay i'm not really paying that much attention okay this is right and also a bit of comedy you know, some yeah. of the, you know, and again in sort of reason whiz there's yeah there's a bit of and the other the other thing at that age is a bit of bad language in that song um and that that makes you notice as that makes me sound really deep, doesn't it? Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> they use Love the F word, snigger, snigger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think there's an element of there was a lot of slushy pop in the early '90s, and that was one of the things. That, yeah, <laughs> but it was it was the majority of what was out there on Radio One, on Capital FM, on all those stations where, you know, and Top of the Pops as well. The majority of Top of the Pops was. You know, you feel it in your fingers, you feel it in your toes. Ugh, bollocks. That that Britpop sort of dragged us away from that. You've got, you know, Oasis singing about 
life in working class Manchester, cigarettes and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. You've got pulp singing about being an awkward, weird teenager. You know, I think Britpop gave us something a bit different. And that's why a lot of people gravitated towards it, because I never loved pop in that kind of mid 90s period bollocks because i was about to suggest wet 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 we're going to be my next album so that's just ruined it for me <laughs> <laughs> i, I have a fond memory it. of do you remember that that summer and it was that song was number one for 15 weeks and the record, <laughs> the record was brian adams at 16 with um the robin hood prince of thieves song yeah um, yeah and the 16th week uh, <laughs> It's, it's really funny looking back, <laughs> tuning into the charts. And then number one was Saturday Night by Wigfield from nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go, Marty Pello. Take that. <laughs> but that, that was my, that's my issue with that song as much as anything is the amount that it was overplayed. And I just got so fed up with those lyrics over and over and over and over and over again. I can yeah. remember my dad's coming into the sitting room when when meatloaf were on number one for probably they went over 10 weeks as well and and my dad walking into the room seeing meatloaf belting out whatever that tune was um but out of swiftly hell, to, it? but out of hell oh, no, yeah. it wasn't it was um i would do so anything I, for love uh was that the one yeah probably um, yeah and just dad 180 and just left the room straight away not interested <laughs> i won't hear a bad word said about meatloaf <laughs> again well I, I against, will because it's probably fair but you know nothing against the artist and the song more against the insistence on just playing it day in day out yeah 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 that that probably ruins a lot of good stuff actually yeah um, i think yeah probably a lot of oasis at the time ended up feeling a bit like that you know as much Wonderwall. as you love something you can grow yeah even now if i hear Wonderwall, it's well, again okay well, we haven't heard it in 20 years but you know it's uh, yeah still kind of sick of it. Oh, don't look back in anger i don't i don't need to hear that again but pulp pulp was never there though it was right. yeah. luckily probably not quite successful enough to to get ruined in that respect yeah even common people i don't know that it made it to number one and i'm pretty sure it didn't get played to death in the same way that other stuff did Certainly not, you know, the Oasis blur. Was it Country House versus Roll, Roll with, with It? it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they they were sort of the third way. You, you had everyone split into two camps and then you've got this slither of pulp fans <laughs> hating Oasis and blur. I wasn't do, one of them. You, I liked all three. Do, do you reckon that's like a geographical thing? I like, reckon it's well, just weird. Pulp being from the Midlands is like kind of Manchester versus London versus the Midlands and this little... Like, little <laughs> midlands bunch of pulp friends or fans uh, i don't know what am i talking about i love the idea of just people in birmingham sitting in the middle just being like what the fuck is going on <laughs> uh, i've never um, thought i've never been obsessed geographically by music and which no. if you know my sport allegiances then that might sound really odd to hear and you know as an as a big essex cricket fan i should have been all over pulp but irrationally i wasn't see i think i think it's 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 very different yeah yeah i'll I'll edit that blur into where you say you're not you're you're not going to do that are you no i'm absolutely not the 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 thing about music i think is if it 
if it appeals to you, it appeals to you. I think there's elements of Oasis that if you're Mancunian, you can only really properly connect with it if you're Mancunian, but you can still get most of what they're getting at from anywhere else, which is why they were so popular. But I suspect there are references in their music to, you know, to to stuff in Manchester that the rest of us are like, okay, didn't know about that. But yeah, the geography thing never really got me. Like I, I like like you, I liked Oasis over Blur when I was younger. Probably changed over now, but mostly because I liked the outright rock and roll side of things rather than Blur a little bit 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 cleverer. And I don't know that I really had the the nuance of taste to get a lot of that stuff until later on that's probably it's interesting you say that because i'd share that i've over time i grew to love blur more than and i actually probably disliked them in the mid 90s if that's maybe going a bit far but found that the girls girls and boys was the blur track that was just played to death and it was quite irritating to start with and it was one of those it's probably one of their worst worst songs that made it big in my opinion and I'm seeing smirking, which just suggests you might not agree there. But I just found it in a in a repetitive and just something that grates on you. And it's it's all personal, isn't it? It's all you know, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's a bad track. It's it's I've said this before with other things that Henry's brought up where I'm like, I'm not going to defend it because it's not one of my all time favorite tracks. But it, I definitely don't think it's a bad track. I think it's I, I agree with the overplaying. It got played overplayed a lot, but I listen to it now, and I I don't listen to Blur a lot, but when I do listen to it now, I I, I like it. So it's it hasn't been ruined for me because of the overplaying back in the nineties. I like it as part of Park Life as an overall album. I I listen to Park Life probably a handful of times a year just because I really love it as an album, and I don't feel like it's aged in the way that a lot of Britpop has. You know, there's probably two oasis albums that don't feel they've aged too much there's very little from the smaller players of Britpop that feels like it hasn't aged and then <laughs> you know this this pulp album is probably another one that doesn't feel like it feels pretty ageless and you can listen to it at any point in time and still yeah. feel like you can connect yeah. with it that's true i agree with you on that definitely but it was different enough it wasn't just it wasn't Britpop out the box and there was a lot of that you know, the, the standard manufactured band i'm not saying they were manufactured but uh, it felt like a lot of stars were very similar but pulp just had a lot more to it well Britpop was very much it was still in a in an era where the record companies had almost full control over everything because you streaming media hadn't really you know you didn't have napster until the very late 90s and so anytime a band made it big in the night in the mid 90s other record labels wanted their version of that band. Yeah, and so yeah. trying to think. It was of a examples, bit like, yeah, but it well, would always be unfair to certain bands, I suspect. Well, well I was about to say, um, I was about to say Embrace because they kept on going on about how they're better than Oasis, but actually, I quite <laughs> like some Embrace albums. So, I like Embrace. I like Embrace. Yeah, the, the Good Will Out is one of, is an absolute belter of an album, which I really like. So I was about to just kind of have a crack at Embrace, but I don't want to. So yeah, I'll, I'll get. I'll give you one. And you may not agree. The blue tones. There you go. Oh yeah, totally agree. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's, that's yeah. an example of buying an album based on one song and it's not on. working out. I think uh, 
we might have to come back to this on a future podcast, but I, I'm pretty sure the Blue Tones released something recently, like in the last two or three years. Really? And it was wow. and it was amazing. Um, right, what? Rich, make a note to uh, come <laughs> back to this. Um, was it? Uh, or you know am I'm I talking complete, complete bollocks? I pretty, I'm pretty sure one of those, one of those artists just put something out recently and and it was actually really good so if anyone's listening and can tell us whether henry is wrong or in fact right please let us know tweet tweet us it it was one of those it was one of those 90s bands and they they put something okay i'll 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 work this one out (laughs) pause that i think the, the problem is that a lot of them were genuinely decent bands who could have done their own individual things but their record labels were probably pushing them to sound more like blur or more like oasis or more brit poppy than they necessarily would have been at the time but because they're four blokes with two guitars and a bass and a, a set of drums they get pushed into the box that is what's selling records at that point in time yeah and that's that's fair and it's 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 probably I pick we picked on the blue tones, which is probably unfair <laughs> unfair on them, but they they might have been in in that category. Yeah, they you could you could argue that a lot of bands just yeah just changed their identity to to sell. Talking uh, of talking here of you pulp, go, this works. Talking of pulp, I I've got an example for you. Menswear. They were the budget rubbish end of the market pulp. <laughs> yeah, you say that, but being brave is an amazing track, so it's the Apart only the- good track. That's the problem. <laughs> I love being brave. Is that oh, yeah, where? me too. Yeah, yeah. Tesco Value Britpop. Yeah. Tesco Value. I don't think it was the Blue Tones who released something very recently. I, I think I'm wrong on that one. <laughs> Just gone through their back catalogue and there's nothing interesting in the last couple of years. So for for, for a future time, a, a, a Britpop band from the 90s released something really good a couple of years ago. You heard it here first. We'll, we'll find okay. it. We'll find it and we'll talk about it. Adam knows from long snap pods how likely that is to actually happen (laughs) (laughs) well it's best of intentions you know we'd we'd do these things if we remembered them wouldn't we always always all right live performances has anyone seen pulp live no i was i'm suddenly thinking i might have done but i no maybe not i'm now doubting it I've, I've seen very few things live at all. So. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that you've done things like Party in the Park and stuff like that. At, at various times, been dragged along to them by friends when you uh, when you're in your your kind of early mid twenties, and would have seen some live music that way. Very very rarely. Yeah, were they much of a gig going band? I mean, they, I'm, I'm sure they did play a lot of gigs, but I just don't remember in the late nineties seeing seeing them around much. The problem was I didn't really start doing live music until 99, I guess. And I'd lost interest in them by that point because because they'd released two albums. I just wasn't that bothered about by that point. I have seen Jarvis do stuff. So like I said, I I saw him do some of his solo stuff, although I did. I I enjoyed it for three or four songs and then got to the point where I was like, all right, all right. I, I see what you're doing here, Jarvis. I'm, I just wasn't in the right mood. I think you have to be in the right mood for the Jarvis weirdness. So I ended up wandering off and, and going seeing whoever was on the main stage at the time. 
I would, I would, if he played a future festival and I had the chance to go and see him again, I'd go and see him again. But I do think he's a bit, he's definitely at his quirkiest now compared to being pretty damn quirky then. There's that story about him. Um, he fell out of a window trying to impress a girl, I think, and he ended up in a wheelchair. Um, and so I think he went, he went touring in a wheelchair and he'd go out on stage. He was basically wheeled out by, I think, the kind of the, the support band. Would nice. wheel him onto his stage, and he would carry on doing all his Jarvis stuff, like his Jarvis dancing and all that, just from a wheelchair, and do the whole set sitting down. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've not obviously not seen Jarvis do that, but I remember going to it was like Reading or Leeds festivals years ago. I, while I was at university, a mate of mine organised us to go and do bar staffing at Reading and Leeds festivals for three years running, and one year the Strokes headlined. And it was the night after he'd, I think he played Reading first and Leeds second. And I was at the Leeds festival and he fell off the stage at the Reading festival and broke his leg. So rather than, rather than cancelling playing Leeds, he spent the entire gig sitting on a, an office uh, wheelie spinny chair and just did the gig that way. Awesome. I'm not sure the energy was quite the same as, as if he'd done it standing <laughs> up without a broken leg. But I was quite well, impressed. Fair, I mean, he must have been fair a play lot for not cancelling. Yeah. Uh, well, Dave Grohl once fell off the stage and then spent an entire tour with a broken leg. He did. So, Sweden, or am I going mad? Uh, it might have been. Where that piece was... of knowledge would come from, I do not know. But <laughs> I would trust your brain on that wrong. stuff, Adam. You're you're very good with the random off the off the wall facts. Very rarely trust. Uh, but I'm not going to craig you on this one. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Okay. Appreciate um, that. <laughs> so yeah i i did also see the one of the weirder ways of seeing a pulp member was jarvis does a bit of djing as well it's one of his things and he loves end of the road festival and so he once did a dj set at end of the road festival i had no idea he was doing it i don't think he was even listed as being on the bill i think he turned up mid-festival and they were like oh my god you're here this is amazing and and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I like to hang out and and I really enjoy your festival. And, you know, if you've got any DJ spots that you want me to do, I'm more than happy to do it. So they just like crowbarred him into the late night DJ sets. And awesome. we ended up dancing to, I mean, his DJ. I just, I was pretty damn drunk by the time because this is like 2 a.m. in a forest with someone DJing in a an old school wooden sailing boat setup with DJ decks um it's a very weird quirky thing from that perspective and i just remember it being like the weirdest all over the place dj set i've ever been to see it was fun though none of that sounds surprising (laughs) (laughs) adam moving into cynical at rich at festival mode (laughs) Uh, no i I meant more from him Uh, uh, oh yeah you're not setting that up for actually it was really good I wasn't I, that wasn't the conclusion I was expecting from that story. <laughs> it, it was pretty. I remember having fun. I'm not sure that it was the, <laughs> the DJ set I would have picked if someone had been asking me to pick a DJ set. Fair enough. Oh, um, uh, oh. It's, I found it. It's the charlatans. <laughs> really? Now I oh, like the okay. charlatans. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Look up um, totally eclipsing. Quite recent. Check OK. All right. There you go. I mean, I liked. I liked uh, Bohemian Like You. Totally obsessed with that track back in the day. That, no, that's, that's the Daniel Walls. Oh, 
Jesus, nice I'm doing bad. <laughs> I've not even had that much to drink Stop right getting now. getting Britpop Edit. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd crowbar in a reference at some point. <laughs> had to be done. You missed the one I made in the REM episode, didn't you? Clearly. Post. But I don't know. I don't know <laughs> nearly as well as you do. As has become very obvious over many, many episodes of Long Snapper. Are you a, a Partridge fan, Henry? Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, I am. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, tungsten tip screws. Yeah, that's uh... <laughs> never going to use them. <laughs> there, there's right. an ep- there's a future episode, music inspired by Alan Partridge. Oof, gosh. And it would be an eclectic mix, that's for sure. Music. I would love to know if anyone's written an album inspired by Partridge. <laughs> I was thinking more just. <laughs> well, that could go to a weird place, I think. Almost certainly would. <laughs> this has gone to a weird place. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was going to say, do we want to talk about bands that you've, you know, discovered off the back of Pulp? But I'm guessing it was all kind of a mixture of that Britpop era for you. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I'm not sure there are pulp of the sort of band that you'd discover anything else off the back of it actually but hmm. i would definitely say for me personally i have there's a lot of those bands in the Britpop era who opened my music listening up to other weird stuff so they opened me up to listening to weird quirky shit rather than just outright rock and roll yeah okay yeah it's a difficult it's a difficult question to answer i think that's they're so so unique and yeah maybe I other things the, brought me to that rather than them bringing me to to something else that's fair they're, they're all yeah for me they're all rolled up in that kind of rip pop getting into music generally so i don't think they they did anything particularly different but yeah but yeah they're kind of in, under that that umbrella i think it's the singing style i think it's having someone sing in a weird way and it's still being okay that is a bit unique to that era for me yeah i'll get you yeah weird slightly odd whispering under the under the instruments <laughs> yeah anyway i think we should leave it uh, for that otherwise you're going to get in even more trouble for not having gone and started dinner yeah, for your wife yeah. And family. There, <laughs> there is that <laughs> but thank you for joining us i appreciate you coming on for a couple of podcasts it's been fun no i've really enjoyed that thanks a lot no. good come back yeah, good come fun. back We'll have you on again in the future. Maybe some Britpop chat. <laughs> Sounds good. Or some Beatles chat. Ooh, Absolutely. Actually, I mean, yeah, that will happen that's... at some point. Yeah. Cool. Good yeah. shout. If, if you can fit us into your, you know, busy, hectic schedule with everything that's going on. <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, it's been a lot Here's of fun. That. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.